You're listening to B2B Tech Talk with Ingram Micro, the place to learn about new technology and technological advances before they become mainstream. This podcast is sponsored by IBM. IBM is a leading hybrid multi-cloud solutions company, accelerating the creation, development, and manufacturing of the industry's most advanced information technology for companies around the world. Let's get into it. Welcome to B2B Tech Talk with Ingram Micro. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and our guest today is Rick Bjork, Vice President of IBM Power at IBM. Rick, welcome. Hey, thanks, Shelby. Appreciate you having me today. Look forward to talking with you, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, leveraging Power 10 as part of a hybrid cloud strategy. But first, Rick, uh, let's let's set the scene here. So when you talk or when you think about IBM, you often think enterprise. But uh, you know, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes that IBM is, is, is more than that. So who or, or what is today's IBM? No, a great question. If you think about IBM, I was when I talk to clients, they think of us. You mentioned enterprise; they say stodgy, you know, lethargic, difficult to make decisions, too slow. And so that is, we've really changed from that. And hopefully, a lot of your listeners have seen it. But when Arvin took over a few years ago, our new CEO, we really became a growth-focused company, and he is very focused on the results and really growing our business. And this is really around being focused on hybrid cloud. I know we've heard a lot about that, but. The Red Hat has really been a key acquisition for us, and his focus has been on really driving modernization and automation with our clients through hard software, hardware, and services through our IBM Consulting. And we've seen, I mean, for those of you who've been watching the IBM results, we've had a couple of really good quarters. We had divested of a lot of businesses that were not core to this, and uh, it's, it seems to be really resonating with our clients um, as we continue to move forward here in 2022. Well, um Shifting to the the recent launch of Power Ten, so uh, tell us a little bit about Power Ten and and what it means for the the hybrid cloud ecosystem. Not you bet. So Power Ten is our latest generation of power technology, which is IBM's really uh, you you might consider it a proprietary platform, a proprietary architecture that's really meant for data. It's really meant to drive data. Really, has, and it has been very successful with Oracle, SAP automation, a lot of data and AI um, runs it as well. But Power 10 is just, you know, our 10th generation of this that we started, you know, 30 plus years ago from an IBM perspective. And you, when you look at it, the reason it's important is that we've really seen that the characteristics of the processor, there's been two things. One is the characteristics of the processor historically been very data oriented, and we've really enabled the processor to be very key to our hybrid cloud initiative. And it's really around a couple of things. One is that you can do everything in one platform. You can run your Linux apps, your AIX apps, and your IBM I apps all on one platform. Nobody else can do that. And so instead of having all these multiple platforms, you can have one. And also behind the mainframe is the most reliable platform, which everybody knows is super critical to what clients are expecting today. So when clients say, I want to remote the most reliable platform or I need a more reliable platform, we're seeing clients come to power um, here as well. The, the other piece of it is security. I know we've, we've touched on that a couple in some of your other talks. But security is really a key feature, and I can get into that a little bit later, but there are some key factors of built into the technology and into the processor that make this a very secure platform and one of the most, certainly much more secure than the Intel platforms we see here in the market. And then lastly, it's, it's made for AI. And I say that because there's a lot of accelerators that we can use to increase the performance and the speed at which we ex- execute a lot of AI, which is where I think a lot of, we're going to start seeing a lot of our clients start leveraging that technology here in the future. Well, to to clarify, did 
did I read that uh, Power 10 would now just be called IBM Power? Is is that right? And 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 why, if that changed, happened? Well, it did, it did change. It was sort of a little bit under the radar. I think it, it's more of a rebranding, a marketing. So now we have the the you know, the Power you know, 1050 server and the 1050, the 10 is the power 10. We have a 950 server. And so it's just trying to simplify the messaging a little bit um, for our clients and to make it so it's a power is the, is the overall architecture of the solutions. And then from a naming convention, make it, make it much easier. And again, we I used to have power seven, power eight, probably power 10, maybe got to be a little long, right? <laughs> so they, I don't know. So they went ahead and made that change. And it's been as a little, like I said, I think, Clients haven't mentioned it too much, but it did. We ended up having to update all our marketing materials, so it took a little bit of work for us. Yeah, yeah, um, and I didn't realize that it's. I guess at least early on, it was an acronym. It wasn't just power. Yeah, it was. It, was, it had to do with the, the parallel processing of the architecture and things, and that's long, long been lost. Now everybody just knows it's power, and I mean, and it was a, it was a very clever acronym. To your point, because it really does embody the pro- the processor, which is the power, right? Power to be data driven, to offer you the most the most powerful processor on the market, and so it kind of really worked out well. But uh, I, I think that's when we had a lot of engineers naming our products, probably back then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so who is Power Ten for? I mean, who is the the client uh, uh, portfolio then? Well, so I'll, you know that's a great question. What I see a lot of, and kind of back to your first question, people think about IBM as enterprise. Oh, this must be the Fortune 100 or the Fortune 200 companies. We have thousands of clients in the United States and many more thousands worldwide running power. It's all the way from small um, small companies that have 1,500 to 1,000 employees up to the Fortune 5, the Fortune 10 clients. And so what we see is clients that really care about a mission-critical application. So you don't have to be a big client to have a mission-critical application. A mission-critical could be something in your supply chain. It could be running the logistics for a trucking company. It could be running um, you know, the website for some, one of the largest companies in the world. Um, it could also be doing pharmaceutical research and analysis. So up and down, the, the size of the company doesn't matter versus the workload. And that's really what we focus our clients on. So I, when I talk to clients, I always give them, there's a few, few kind of notes I jotted down here while you were asking the question. Really, it's mission critical. You've got to have a mission critical application. You care about performance, you care about availability, and you really have a data, it's data-driven, right? So it is, could be SAP, some Oracle database, uh, or application running on top of Oracle, such as Epic, and any of the new AI applications we're starting to see on the market, Cloud Pack for Data, for example, um, and a lot of these other AI uh, third-party applications. Things that require a lot of number crunching, require a lot of, you know, very quick um, response time from clients, from, from the application. Um, the other piece of it is security. Clients that want a secure platform, um, the power platform, you know, if, if you, we had time to go very technical, we could get into all the nits and bits of the things we do with power that are really critical to, from a security perspective that Intel and some of our other competitors don't do AMD. Um, so that is what other piece of it we see. And lastly, it's clients that have significant software costs with their applications. A lot of these applications are charged by the core, by the processor, and we offer the most efficient, the most highest performing processor and and, uh, processing per core. So for clients that have uh, lots of requirements for software and need lots of cores, we tend to see this as a a very good way for clients to have a much better cost of ownership in return to their clients uh, as as they go to implement the software. And does that end up kind of democratizing uh, the technology that, uh, you know, because these multiple cores are uh, 
you know, more accessible, more affordable, uh, more people can use them, not just, you know, the big enterprises. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, with the announcements we just had, you know, we've got, you know, boxes that start in the, you know, the 20 to $30,000 range, all the way up to the large ones we announced, you know, last year up to obviously to a million dollars, but we, we've really made this, uh, this product available to all the different clients. And again, you could have some of the criteria I talked about, like, you know, having a mission critical application that's data-driven, you don't necessarily need a thousand cores to run it. You need, you might need 10 or 20, which you can certainly run in some of our smaller boxes as well. So um, you, you've already gone over some of the, uh, some of the features within uh, Power 10. I wonder if you can just kind of um, highlight some of the ones that you think are, are, are really significant for, uh, for listeners, those who are, uh, are the end users that are companies that are, are trying to, uh, trying to power this or um, resellers that are trying to help their clients uh, with their various technology goals? What I would say, Shelby, that is, is a great question. When I talk to my clients, I say Power 10 is a very affordable platform that offers a great cost of ownership and, re- and provides you the most reliable platform in the marketplace. So for clients that have these mission critical applications that want a platform that can run those very efficiently and affordably, that's what that's what we're here to have with a very high availability. Now, people tend to think power. Oh, it's only in the million dollar box. I've got to spend you know five hundred thousand dollars. It's going to take me six months to implement it, and that's not the case. And we see so many clients, small clients, take advantage of this technology. And we are really, especially now that we support Linux and Red Hat, we have all kinds of new applications um, we're starting to run with our clients. And so we don't just run specific applications like we did five years ago. We did upgrades. Now as clients are upgrading, they're actually starting to add and cloud enable more of their applications around Power, given the great feature function that it offers here. Um, it has become a trusted platform for a number of them in their environments. Well, so uh, you mentioned security, and there is not an IT professional out there that uh, isn't concerned about a higher level of, of security and, and, and needs that from, from this technology. So um, what can you tell us about the, you know, the security functions and the security features uh, that really sets uh, Power10 apart from others? Oh, you bet. So there's a number of things we do differently than you might consider the industry standard AMD Intels of the world. Um, we do transparent memory encryption, which means that when, we, when we're going between memory and the hard drives and the processor, we, that's all encrypted and it's, and it's done on the fly. So there's no processing associated with it, just kind of you know, immediate. The other thing we do is we also can have the ability to analyze that data without decrypting it. It's called homographic encryption. And so people always wonder what that is, but I would, it's very simply is we can analyze data without encrypting it on the fly, on the chip, do some of the crypto accelerators we have. So what does that really mean? That means that we can provide, keep you can continue to encrypt the data, but have very fast access to it and get very fast response time to it, unlike a number of other platforms on the marketplace. And then as you look at the future, um, a lot of our technology is what we call quantum hack, what I call quantum hack safe, which means that you know there's, there's a coming technology around quantum, which basically leverages light instead of process of transistors for very, very fast analysis. And there is a concern in the future that these quantum computers, which which will certainly be available in five years, will have the ability to decrypt um, the standard encryption today because it'll be so fast. Power 10 already has the ability to defeat quantum and be, I would say, you know, be immune to the quantum processors of the future. So when you make an investment in Power 10, you have a very high confidence that this will continue to be a secure and safe platform well into the future. 
Well, uh, as we start to wrap up our episode, uh, Rick, we always ask our guests the the same final question. And I'm going to ask you to get that uh, crystal ball out because take a look at within this space. Where do you see technology going in the next year? Wow. I mean, just think about how much fast technology has changed in the last year. It's incredible, all the things that are changing. I, would, I mean, if I were to think through... AI we've talked about, and I think that is going to be the biggest change we're going to see. You know, you're starting to see today on your Apple Watch, if you have your, you start having a high heartbeat or, you know, you're, you start having blood pressure problems, it'll notify you. I think we're going to see that across the board. It could be in cars, it could be in your house, it could be built into, you don't get up by a certain time, you start getting notified. You put your hands on the steering wheel and it starts keeping track of how fast you're going and, you know, your heartbeat. And if you think you're going to pass out, maybe you start sending an, an, an alert. I just think it's just really going to drive a lot of the technology that we've talked about and then a need for requirements for companies to continue to drive. So I think I would say AI is going to be in almost everything we do here next year compared to what it is today. Um, you think about lighting, air conditioning systems, your house, your cars, just everything I think is going to be so different um, with that. The other one, which is, which is somewhat related is I do think, which is more of a, of a I would say uh a hobby of mine is drones. I think drones are become a really, you'll see them really take off next year. Not only because of the technology, when I got my first drone, I, you know, it ran for five minutes. Right? This technology is getting where they're going to be able to run for, for an hour at the same, at, that, at this cost, right? Buying a relatively expensive. But in 2023, there's going to be no longer a need for special permits for drones. And so I think there's going to be a lot of pent up demand for companies to use those. And again, there's going to be you think about the telemetry and controlling those, there's got to be a lot of backend systems to manage and, and have, and, and they've got to be highly available, right? You've got, you've, especially if you talk about AI and your drones, you've got to have a highly available environment. And we really see that as uh, something that we're going to play well with going into next year in the future. I, uh, I drove my, my first drone recently, actually, uh, just the other day. And uh, yeah, I was really, really good at driving. I, I lasted at least 10 seconds before I hit the wall. So <laughs> that's fair. Well, I learned the hard way not to do it by my pool, unfortunately. So, oh God. Uh, yeah, right, you know, so, so that was, that was one of my first experiences. So I went out uh, in the street and versus my backyard, but uh, no, they're great. And I think it's, it's, it's just one of the many things we'll see continue to evolve here in the technology field, especially with the rate and pace of, of innovation. Well, for uh, listeners who want to find out more about what we talked about today, how can they reach out? Well, definitely, I would I would reach out to Ryan Sloan, right? Uh, Sloan S O S L O N E, Ryan Sloan. He's at Ingram, so Ryan Sloan at IngramMicro.com. He's definitely the first place I'd go. I've worked a lot with Ryan. He's very knowledgeable and is a great place to start. Can connect you with me, um, get you some additional resources, and I'll just you know, just wanted to thank you and your listeners for the time today, and and I look forward to to meeting a number of your listeners and hopefully working uh, some opportunities and getting to know them here in the future. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me, Rick. Thanks, Shelby. Take care. And thank you listeners for tuning in and subscribing to B2B Tech Talk with Ingram Micro. If you like this episode or have a question, please join the discussion on Twitter with the hashtag B2B Tech Talk. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhawk. You've been listening to B2B Tech Talk with Ingram Micro. This episode was sponsored by IBM. B2B Tech Talk is a joint production with Sweetfish Media and Ingram Micro. Ingram Micro production handled by Laura Burton. To not miss an episode, subscribe today to your favorite podcast platform.